There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. Sally Ibrahim. Dr. Ibrahim is board certified in internal medicine, pediatrics, and sleep medicine. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. And today we are talking about sleep, specifically school-aged kids and how it affects them. So that goes from like kindergarten up, correct? Correct. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So before we jump into topic, I want to kind of ask you some questions to get to know you on a personal level. Sure. That's okay? Sure. All right. So first of all, do you know any other languages besides English? I do know conversational Arabic and uh, Spanish. So, ahlan sahlan and hola. Let's go. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, very good. How about your best travel destination? Oh, gosh. Um, Egypt, maybe? Yeah. I have to say. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cairo. You ever been to Cairo? I've been See to Cairo. All the, Cairo, pyramids, all the pyramids. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> and then your favorite song of all time? Ooh, hard one. Very hard one. What's, do you, what's your genre of music? That Everything. You to really I love good? music. So every kind of music. Anything that pumps me up. Really? Even country uh, music? Oh, even country oh, music. Absolutely. You. I'm good from Texas. You. Yeah. Right. We're from Texas. Houston. Houston. Yep. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's jump into topic. So Sounds our brains good. are very active and they do a lot of work while we sleep. That's it's right. It's very critical to the brain health. So it yes. really affects our cognitive and mental health. Mm-hmm. So today we're here. We're here. Today we're here to talk about sleep and school-aged kids and talk about what happens to their bodies with the lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. So first of all, sleep quantity varies for all ages, correct? So let's talk about the school-aged kids and and how many hours they need. Sure, sure. So school-aged kids, uh, starting from kindergartners all the way to teenagers, obviously vary in Mm -hmm. what amount they need. So if we we take the very younger children, it's going to be anywhere from 10 to 13 hours, starting that kindergarten age, they lose that nap, so it's really critical to get that all at night. And then as they go, it's sort of sort of a moving target onward. And by teenage years, we're not yet adults yet at teenager. We still need that uh, eight and a half to nine and a half hours. And so a lot of families will come in saying they get enough sleep, but they're getting seven, eight hours, and they're not yet an adult, so they're technically not getting enough sleep. So that is still a moving target. It is less by the time they get to teenage years, but not yet an adult. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So with napping, napping usually ends by like four? Usually around the four or five times. Some okay. some mothers will tell you that there's no more naps earlier on and, yeah. and, and they deal with that. But but by usually by four or five, we shouldn't nap. And so that sometimes is a red flag. If somebody is napping during the day beyond that age, we sort of say, hmm, you know, are they getting enough sleep? Or are they getting quality sleep, et cetera? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, in general, how do I make sure that my child is getting all the sleep that they need? So going by their norms, uh, you know, how much are they supposed to get for their age? And if they're getting that and they're functioning well, we're, we're probably doing okay. And by functioning, I mean, what are they supposed to do at that age? They're supposed to be behaviorally calm, you know. Uh, they're supposed to be able to learn and grasp and focus and um, be social with their peers. And, and so these are, you know, sort of normal developmental children that we're talking about. Um, and, and so if there's a 
adequate functioning, we're probably okay, okay. With, with the amount or quality of sleep. Uh, the other, of course, is that sometimes kids are functioning very well, but there's something going on in that sleep period that says maybe there's some quality issues that we need to look at. Uh, so, but generally speaking, if you think your child is functioning well, things may be okay. okay. Um, mm -hmm. Great. So t let's talk about teens a little bit because sure. teens tend to have irregular sleep patterns across the week and, mm -hmm. you know, they typically stay up late. They're on their phones, mm -hmm. laptops, mm -hmm. whatever it is. They sleep late on the weekends. How does that affect their quality of sleep and their quality of life when they're awake? Sure, sure. So teenagers uh, have this biological clock that tends to be a little bit more delayed. So by nature, they tend to be a little bit more of that night owl already. And then they have to get up for school pretty early, and sometimes they're not getting enough sleep. And then sometimes if that happens, they may nap when they get home, and then they stay up later, and then they don't get enough sleep, and then it's hard to wake up. And so you see that cycle, and that's a very common teenage cycle that okay. we see some teenagers in. Some of that may manifest as, you know, not being able to get up for school in the morning. Some of it may manifest as tiredness, especially, uh, you know, during the morning hours or during the day altogether. It may even manifest as poor mood. We know that teenagers who don't get enough sleep at night tend to have poor grades, poor mood. Mm -hmm. And it's not, uh, it's not uncommon that uh, we see that even in adults, you know, if we, if we don't get enough sleep, we obviously don't function as well. Right. Something happens that's in the nighttime that's very restorative and reparative. And one of those things is memory consolidation and how we, uh, how we function cognitively. We do a lot of restoration at night when we sleep. And so if we don't get enough sleep, it's not surprising that we can't focus and have cognition. And so it's also not surprising that we see teenagers who have poor grades. Sure. Um, and, and that goes for younger kids as well. And so it, we really try to maintain adequate sleep in that at least 24-hour period, but definitely at nighttime so that they can get up and function and, and do well during their day. So a, a lot of people think that when you're sleeping, you know, your brain's just asleep, but mm -hmm. your brain's actually very, very, very active, very active more yes. active, right, when you're sleeping. Can we talk about that? What's sure. actually happening in sure. the brain while we're sleeping? Oh, there's a ton of things. We didn't really know the function of sleep and we still kind of don't really understand it. You right. know, it's kind of a bizarre thing. Some people make jokes about it. You know, it's a bizarre human thing that we go, we're kind of vulnerable for some time, and then we get up and do it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it is kind of a, a bizarre thing. But if we look at, if we don't sleep, then we know what happens to our bodies. And so by the lack of sleep, we've found out what is the function of sleep. Uh, more recently, there's been some really fascinating uh, research looking at what's happening uh, with even our brain production, the lymphatic sy system, getting rid of sort of the sort of those you know toxins and infl inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. So it tends to be restorative, and some of that actually works along the proteins in the spinal cord wow. and the brain. And so, yes, there's co cognitive issues that may occur as a result of lack of sleep. Sure. Um, and there's also some hormonal things that happen at nighttime. Uh, with the onset of sleep, there's certain you know, growth hormone, for example, that can happen at, at nighttime. There's also metabolic stuff, so sugar metabolism and, and all those functions. In fact, if you, know, you, you take some you know, uh, you know, healthy individuals and you sleep deprive them, you, you see over time they actually become more glucose intolerant. 
or, or what we see with prediabetes. And so it, there's, a, there's definitely a functioning with metabolism and, and, and so, many other, uh, so many other things becomes very important for us to realize, yes, we're doing something very productive at night. So it is good to sleep. Right, right, of course. <laughs> it yes. is good to sleep. And then I've read also that besides mental health, obviously mm -hmm. physical health, it can, mm -hmm. it can make you sick. Um, something mm -hmm. about skincare. Can teenagers get more sure. acne from not sleeping? Is that is that right? So there's some so there's some uh, restorative properties in the in this in the dermatology sleep literature. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so for example, uh, the response to UV and reactions to UV, people that don't get enough sleep versus the people that do, they can have a better restoration when they do sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is some something to even down to the skin. Wow. Uh, you know what, how what's happening uh, to the, to the restoration of, sure. of skin and processes. It probably gets down to, and we don't know for sure, but down to um, sort of the, the mechanisms at the, you know, at, the, at the cellular level where we're looking at inflammation of the body. And there's been a lot of research looking at if you don't get enough sleep, sure enough, your inflammation, inflammatory markers do go up. Mm. Uh, so, so there's probably something to that effect. So obviously uh, weight gain then would be a big one as well. And weight gain, weight gain is another, another thing. Uh, it turns out that uh, if we don't sleep uh, well or enough, there's appetite-regulating hormones that are off. Mm. And so ghrelin makes us hungry and want to eat. Uh, leptin, not so much. And so they're off balance, and we have more of that need to eat uh, the longer we stay awake and or how much how sleep deprived we are sure and sure enough if you've ever been up really late you get the munchies yeah right. <laughs> and uh, you're not going to go after carrots An uh, apple. Yeah. <laughs> you know that and that because that that hormone is really looking at i need energy and yeah. so it's going to want sugar, sugar and sort of that sort of not so good energy sure, sure. <laughs> and and so yeah getting to bed getting getting your water getting to bed getting yeah <laughs> getting a good night's sleep right so mm -hmm. we've been talking about how important sleep is, I want to kind of jump onto solutions. I want to talk mm -hmm. about uh, habits. And um, can we talk a little bit about healthy habits that parents should adopt to make sure their school-age kids are getting the best out of their sleep? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. So, so the younger kids were really good about putting to bed on time. You know, there's a bedtime, bedtime yeah. and they're really good about it. When they start to say, yeah, maybe not. And they start to have negotiating strategies. It's a little bit harder to enforce that, but it is true that if we enforce bedtime and a lot of studies will support this, if you have a bedtime for a child, they're more likely to get enough sleep and do well the next day. And so enforcing bedtime and the regularity of sleep is super important. And so, you know, one day you're going to bed at nine, one day you're going to bed at 11 and that could really be off. It can, it can really offset our own circadian biological rhythm to sleep and the amount of sleep. So regular going to bedtimes and going to wake and, and wake times too. Wake That's times. also important. Consistent we, as well. Consistent, Even right. weekends. What about weekends? So maybe I'm weekends. a little lenient on my kids <laughs> on the weekends. I let them maybe stay an, an yeah. extra hour, yeah. uh, watch a movie, and then yeah. uh, you know they can wake up whenever they want versus sure. wake up at like 6 or 5.30 in the morning sure. for school days. Is that okay? Sure. A little wiggle room is okay. okay. So by an hour, that's probably reasonable. Okay. If we start to see a really big difference then we're going to get into some issues with our biological clock sure, sometimes. Sure. And so I often say to parents, for example, if their bedtime should be 10 o'clock and they're going to bed by 2 o'clock, we're basically going to California on the weekend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then coming back to the East New York, you know, yeah, yeah. on, you know, by Monday morning every weekend. And so it's not uh, uncommon then that we have this social jet lag. Sure. We can't get up in the morning. 
and we're, we're sort of eh, getting yeah. through those first three days. And then, you know, you sort of struggle by the end of the week, you're pretty tired. And so we try to say, well, try not to be so socially jet lagged, you know, okay. keep it within a reasonable time. That might be one hour. Uh, and more than that, we start to get a little bit in, in trouble. Socially mm-hmm. jet-lagged. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with sleep hygiene, lights off, keep it quiet, yes. all that good stuff. Yes. Let's talk about TV before bed. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, my child, when she was much younger sure. than this age, she used to have night terrors. And my pediatrician mm-hmm. would say it's from maybe something she's watching in mm-hmm. her you know, active imagination. And, but then when you look at teenagers... Try to tell a teenager to not look at their phone for an hour or two before bedtime. <laughs> mm-hmm, what do you suggest? Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. We used to worry so much about the TV, and now we have all these walking things yes, that come in the room. We used to us. say no TV in the room or at least keep it off, and yeah. it's not the TV anymore. Right. It's really not. TV still is an issue. So I always say if you have a TV in the room, which I don't like, I, okay. you know, I fought with my husband <laughs> years about yeah. this we still don't have a tv in our room it's it's best for sleep hygiene if you don't it, it's it's linked with lack of sleep yes. uh over time and, and obesity and, and and so it's really important that we we try to avoid tv uh so if you if there is some need to have some tv on then i would say as a parent we want to say we want to put parental controls on the time of tv and and have a timer make sure it's off before bedtime okay um and then sort of the electronics we have to sort of try to limit those. And it's, it's becoming exceedingly hard to do that. Uh, we have to contend with the fact that some of our homework is done, for example, right. on the computer. And so, so real-life situation, realistically, we have to sort of contend with some of these electronics. And so what we'll say is if somebody has a, a difficulty going to sleep, we, and or if they don't, if they want to practice good sleep hygiene, we want to make sure the backlight of any device that we use at night doesn't have sort of these bright lights coming up from the back of, of the light, okay. uh, of the device, excuse sure. me. And, and so by doing that, you can do that on your phone, you can do it on your computer, uh, there are things online that you can sort of down, download that can also, also limit the brightness of the computer. Backlight, Lux.com, I believe, is, is one of those things that can sort of help um, do that. Mm-hmm. You have settings now. A lot of the uh, sort of um, manufacturers of the devices are doing things like bedtime. And, and so it would be very important to say if, if the child does not have that, sure. let's put those uh, things on. So let's, let's try to limit the time that they are having that bright light. It'll dim down on its own if you put that nighttime mode. The other thing, of course, is just uh, making sure that your children are not up at night texting yeah. and doing all these other things. I'll give you an example of a child I had. She was coming in for an evaluation for sleepiness. Mm-hmm. And so the father made the appointment. Uh, in the meantime, he was doing his own investigation. So she was falling asleep in class, and she wasn't doing very well. Her grades were dropping. And so we were actually going to evaluate her, or she was being referred for narcolepsy. Uh, so he did his own little investigation, and he turns out that she was on her computer up until maybe two or three in the morning. Wow. Uh, and so by the time they kind of came and saw me, that made my job very, very easy, of yeah. course, and said, okay, let's just try to sleep extend here and see what happens. Of course, there were some other things that were going on that he had to deal with and that whatever she was doing on, on the computer that sure. late, um, but, but uh, obviously that wasn't good for her and it produced her sleepiness. And she was better after that point, sure. after they regulated that. So it's really important for parents to see what their chi- children are doing. I often tell my own kids, you have no privacy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is it excessive to it's, even take yes. away electronics at night? I don't think so. Personally, that's, yeah. you know, and so we have to give our kids adequate freedom as they age. But 
always know what your children are doing. Right. Uh, that's that goes beyond sleep. It goes sure. with safety concerns. Uh, you know, with, uh, with social media and online, uh, we have to know exactly uh, who yeah. they're talking to, what's happening yeah. online. It's everywhere. Social it's, media it's now everywhere. is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, so mm-hmm. let's jump on to nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, how does nutrition affect? school-aged kids throughout the day how could it help them sleep better and before they sleep should they eat before they sleep should they Mm -hmm. sleep on an empty stomach what kind of stuff should they eat let's talk about nutrition a little bit yeah nutrition there's there's uh there's some literature to suggest that the kinds of foods we eat uh certainly can raise inflammation and make us fatigued during the day and so nutrition will be very important uh, for just adequate health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also s- really important regulatory signals that occur when we do eat. It turns out we have signals all over our body, one of which is the gut, to say when, when we do things. Our circadian rhythm and our clocks are all over mm-hmm. the body. So sometimes I'll have adolescents who have sort of this delayed uh, problem with sleep and it turns out their eat, their eating is off, and so we try to implement regular eating times. So reading, making sure we have some kind of breakfast and a lunch and a dinner, um, and then if and then they certainly don't need most children. And I'll say most children don't need uh, to eat right before they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You'll have some of the younger. Uh, toddlers who don't, and I, this, is, this is not a talk about toddlers, but we have some young children who don't get enough to sure, eat at sure. dinner time and will be hungry. And it is important to make sure that they eat and, 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 and go to bed uh, sure. adequately fed. And um, as long as they're not using it as an excuse. And so some, <laughs> some children will do the, do the, you know, the curtain calls. I need yeah. another, I'm, I'm so hungry, mom. Yeah, you know, I'm so, right. you know, I, I need one more drink. I need, you know, those kinds of things. So just limiting, say, okay, we're going to eat now. And then yeah. that's it. And, and making sure we have enough nutrition before going to bed. That's important. Good, mm-hmm. good. Uh, and then obviously, so exercise, a daily mm-hmm. workout will wear them out. But also if you exercise or there's a lot of kids that do sports after school, yes. right before sleep, it can yes. energize you. Yes. So yes. Um, how do we balance these two out? Yeah. Oh, you know, things at night are, are difficult to yeah. uh, sometimes uh, rearrange our, our life again. But exercise is good for sleep for the most part. Mm-hmm. We have good, better quality sleep. Uh, so we, we want to try to, to exercise, implement activity, physical activity during the day mm-hmm. uh, as much as possible. And, um, yeah, there's going to be some adolescents who do have later games and yeah. they have to come back home. I just say try to do some routine that's very swift and get, get back, into, um, back into a pattern as quickly as possible. Yeah. They're going to have to have some wind-down time. It is true that if you exercise just before going to bed, that might hinder, um, hinder sleep. And if you're too sore and have pain, that may also translate into poorer sleep. Sure. But for the most part, exercise and physical activity is excellent for yeah. sleep quality. So it mm-hmm. sounds like consistency is key when mm-hmm. it comes to sleep, mm-hmm. like the bedtime, everything like that. But yes. then, so we have spring break is coming up mm-hmm. or some mm-hmm. actually already had it. Yeah. Some are going through it. Um, how do you, uh, what do you tell the parents that are transitioning their kids to go back to school after maybe being yes. on vacation and yes. things like that? So do, can we yes. wean them off like <laughs> daytime just slowly, you know, mm-hmm. it's getting yes. lighter out. What, yes. How do we do that? Yes. So if, if, if your child is is really off uh, the time that they're waking up, so you can sort of see when are, when are they waking up. If they're waking up closer to noon, we have to make some changes oh, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. be able to get up on time for school. Right. And if they're waking up close to the time that they're getting up from school, that's great. And just try to implement that bedtime 
by Thursday, uh, going into that Monday yeah. would be helpful just to get a good pattern going. What you don't want is to wait till Sunday night and say, everybody go to bed. We have to, we have to go to school tomorrow. You'll get your kids there, but they won't fall asleep right. probably. They're right. not in that pattern yet. And so um, we have to sort of tr start a little bit earlier. Uh, kids don't like it when they start too early, of course, sure. because you're limiting their vacation time. But, sure. you know, sort of Thursday is probably a good negotiated time to start getting. It's not the weekend to stay up late and be at a sleepover and those kinds of things. Sure. And so we try to, we try. And the, then there's the real world, you know, yeah. people coming and they're traveling from spring break, right. uh, coming back on Sunday night. I always uh, tell people if, if I have that opportunity to talk with them, try to come a little bit earlier and, and get into a routine. Uh, I, I never have a in. problem putting my kids early to sleep. <laughs> I was like, yes, go stay in your bed. And do they go to sleep? Uh, well, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. It depends. Okay. If it's a weekend, they can like read or maybe okay. play toys and yeah. they do share a room. So yes. that's another thing. Yes. You know, they keep each other up sometimes or if yes. one's sleepy, the one's not. Mm -hmm. That could kind mm -hmm. of mess things up. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. But I am guilty of waiting till the very last minute to be like, okay, today you're going to sleep at eight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk a little bit about sleep disorders. Um, what sleep disorders are most commonly known to be affiliated with this age group? Mm -hmm. You talked about night terrors. We see that kind of diminish over time, but night yeah. terrors will maybe children with night terrors may grow up to have some level of sleepwalking. And so there are the propensity oh. for the parasomnia, we call that bucket of uh, sleep disorders, would happen maybe later on as they grow up. And so, you know, there's there's sort of sleepwalkers that can occur. Once they start being able to walk, of course, you know, yeah. <laughs> they can get out of bed and start having some sleepwalking episodes. Um, you know, sometimes I'd like to mention, too, that if sleepwalking episodes or night terrors are not getting better, we do have to look for another sleep disorder like sleep apnea that could be augmenting that process. Uh, so if there's, in fact, if they get worse, I oftentimes have to get a sleep study to sort of look at what's happening in their nighttime. What is the arousal that's causing maybe some of these things? Um, so, so, and it's not uncommon that we find things like sleep apnea that when we do then treat it, those night awakenings and perhaps the sleepwalking episodes may diminish. Okay. Um, as far as insomnia, right away, <laughs> we know that, um, you know, there's some, some self-soothers in the baby population yes. and uh, some of those, you know, sort of the kids. There's different types of insomnia as we see them grow up. And so in the very younger, it might be the association needing something to fall asleep. Uh, as we get a little older and we have some negotiation, it might be limit setting. I want to get out of bed. I don't want to sleep, those kinds of things. Uh, and as we start to get a little bit older, we start to see maybe fears, you know, so the mm -hmm. kindergartners may have fears at night and anxiety and some other things that may, that may creep up. Uh, and then there's, uh, then there's insomnia related to maybe thoughts and cognition and behaviors uh, that develop. We call that maybe psychophysiological insomnia, the mind-body insomnia, the ruminating thoughts. And, wow. and that can happen even as young as, I was surprised to see it in my clinic so young, but you know, even as any, any child who's able to think about the next day and the consequences of not sleeping, maybe they're overthinking sleep. Yeah. And so they say, I have to go to sleep, you know, because I have a test tomorrow. I'm yeah. not going to function. And so we try to target that. It's called psychophysiological insomnia. And that can happen, you know, very early, but also, but, but we see it commonly maybe teenager years. Associated with teenager years is a myriad of other, <laughs> other yeah. things, you know, caffeine late and the hygiene issues. We talked about the electronics and those kinds of things. But something that emerges teens and maybe even some tweens I see in my clinic is a delayed circadian rhythm. Meaning that their biological clock wants to sleep a little bit later. And so maybe you're 
putting them to bed at 10, and they're saying, I can't sleep. And it may not be true, true insomnia. It may actually be a circadian problem, a clock problem. And we know that by a, a few things. So one is they can't go to sleep. And another is they cannot wake up in the morning. Mm. And then they tend to have very bad sleepiness in the morning that gets better with, with time. And they're kind of night owls. They're super, super awake at night. And so, so if you have that sort of pattern, you wonder about could there be some clock issue. And that is very common for teenagers. And it's so common that uh, nationally there's some movement to look at uh, school start times. Uh, because what are we doing to teenagers? We're, their biological clock is delayed, and we're asking them to get up really, really, really early for school. And some of the elementary schools were, were looking at, you know, they start at 8, but the, the teenagers get to start earlier than that. Yeah, and so right. it's sort of against their biological clock. So there is some movement nationally to look at delayed school start times, okay. and it turns out that the, the states and the, the, that have implemented that do see that their teenagers are sleeping more. And okay. so you may be hearing, hearing about that in the future in, in, in legislation on the state level and national level. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So the biological clock that you're talking about with mm -hmm. teenagers, this is not something that mom or dad conditioned into them putting them to bed late. This is comes with age? Is that natural? It's more common to happen in teenager years. It's also sometimes runs in some... People have that tendency for, for being a night owl, right. even as adults. We, and, and some of these teenagers, they're, they're such night owls that they know once they get to college, they're not going to get the 8 a.m. class. Yeah. They're not the ones right. that will do that. They will function a little bit later. <laughs> and even as adults, they may not want the early jobs, uh, yeah. <laughs> 7 o'clock <laughs> meetings and all the other things that yeah. come along with that. So, 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 you know, to each his own in terms of how they respond to, uh, to or, or how, what their biological clock needs are. Generally speaking, teenagers tend to be a little bit more delayed. Mm -hmm. We have to work around uh, the fact that they do have to wake up, and so we, we try to maintain some kind of rhythm for them. And if they have to be seen clinically to help correct a rhythm, uh, we sometimes have to help help correct that rhythm for them. So then mm -hmm. they should definitely see a sleep uh, medicine specialist to be able to, if they're having any of these disorders, there's nothing that you can do like a natural remedy or anything. Is melatonin okay for certain aged kids? So sometimes you can do things by, you know, implementing sleep hygiene, getting a regular pattern, those okay. kinds of things, and doing some some sort of minimal strategies. If that's not effective, it may be it may be time to see the pediatrician. And sometimes, so sort of those, uh, there's some additional things that they could do. And and then I I tend to see kids and other sleep specialists tend to see kids when things are just not improving or getting worse, or if it's just a more difficult case. And sure. so uh, we rely on the referrals and or for parents to come and see see us if if needed. Uh, some of the there's a lot of hype on melatonin, uh, yeah. so we get a lot of questions about yeah. melatonin. Melatonin is is actually not over the counter in other countries, such as Europe or really? something like that. And so, and so the criticism in our country is that we have it over the counter and it's sort of loosey goosey, and anybody can use it, and maybe we're improperly using it and things like that. And so. Uh, it is helpful in certain populations, and so it acts in a couple of ways. One is a hypnotic, so hypnotic meaning a, a sleep aid. You know, mm -hmm. I go to sleep, uh, it makes me sleepy enough to go to sleep. And the other is the circadian rhythm, the biological clock. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a good sleep regulator. 
and we often use it in combination with other therapies for the circadian biological clock delay. And so it's very helpful, for example, for children who have that tendency for that delay. It helps to regulate that sleep to be able to continue at a certain pattern. Um, there's some ADHD kids, for example, that it helps regulate their patterns. Uh, there are some other uh, kids who, who, who really do respond very well to melatonin. Uh, when it's used as a regulatory kind of uh, uh, sleep aid, mm -hmm. uh, it is really, really low dose. Uh, it is at a really, really low dose, and it's actually, I don't see that low dose anymore over what the What is counter. the low dose of melatonin I mean, that we it, should be taking? <laughs> it's less than what you'll see over the counter. I see, okay. And, and so it used to be that I saw a 0.125 milligram over the counter. I don't see that hardly anymore, and sometimes right. there's specialty shops where you can see that. If you go to your local pharmacy, I don't see that personally in our yeah. local pharmacies, but there are still some manufacturers that will make that low of a dose. So I often say if the, if the least you see is one milligram, then take that one milligram, half it or fourth it, or do whatever okay. you can to it and as use least that. As possible. And yeah. then how mm -hmm. old can kids take, like, are they okay to take that at seven, at eight, at nine, or are we talking a little bit older? So because it's not really regulated, we don't yeah. have necessarily FDA regulations around, oh, around the use of melatonin. And so I would, I would often say if it's really a young child, speak to your pediatrician before doing it okay. and at least have some advice about how to do it. So mm -hmm. melatonin is not FDA approved? Correct. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. It's sort of the nutritional over the counter mm -hmm. sort of thing. It is it is used in a variety of other sleep disorders uh, at higher doses. Okay. It could be used as a hypnotic. And in adults for a particular disorder, it's called REM sleep behavior disorder, it's really used at a very high dose. Okay. Uh, so so it their dosages over the counter may not be for everyone and so it's always nice to consult with your doctor if you can to say, sure. Okay, how much can I give my child if needed? It's good for the biological rhythm, yeah. sometimes that. But melatonin by itself will not regulate a teenager's sleep. Okay. And I want to I say that because a lot of people will say melatonin didn't work. It's melatonin plus regulatory sure. patterns. It's waking them up at a particular time. It's light. Yes. Avoidance of light at night, light during the morning hours. That helps the regulation. It's a combination of things. So melatonin by itself will not work. It will be everything you do around melatonin. Very, very mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more question before sure. I let you go. Now, I know this seems to be more of younger children's mm -hmm. issue when they get up and come to mom's uh, bedroom Bed. or dad's, mm -hmm. um, but it grows with them. And mm -hmm. then you'll see kids that are eight or nine or 10 that still get up at night to go sleep with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? How do we change that habit? Do you just say no, close that door? Do you make them <laughs> cry themselves to sleep? What do you do? Well, it sort of depends on the age, the de development of the child, and their comorbidities. So if okay. they're really, really anxious, we got to deal with that. Okay. Um, if they're really uh, developmentally challenged, we have to be kind of softer on how we do things. Um, if it's, I often say, if there's some other sleep disorder, we got to address that too, one of which is sleep apnea. So if there's a lot of awakenings at night, and they snore, for example, and you know they have some other symptoms with big tonsils, we have to probably look at something like sleep apnea before we do behavioral therapy. So looking at things from a comprehensive standpoint would be helpful. So if that's really a chronic problem, if you tried a few little things and it's still not getting better, it may be yeah. time to sort of visit uh, with someone, like your pediatrician, to say, okay, what's going on with the sleep? Yeah. Uh, there are a variety of things you could do behaviorally, and there's a lot of fun things you can do. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite is a bedtime pass, and so a bedtime pass is a, um, is a way for a child to know that uh, if they get up, 
they have to use the bedtime pass. They're very good about, okay, this is next to their bed. If you have to come to mommy and daddy's room, you've got to give up your bedtime pass and you only get that one chance. But if you don't, you can put it for a token in the morning and you can have sort of a token reward system. Some kids would really, really like that. It depends on their age. And so the younger they are, they're not going to get that concept. They'd much rather have mommy or daddy as their reward rather than whatever reward you're talking about. The older kids get it, though. They know rewards very well. And so they may hold on to that pass and not use it and turn it in the next morning. And then there's a ha-ha, hooray, good job. And we want to positive reinforce as much as possible. Positive reinforcement works so much better than negative reinforcement. Like, don't you get out of your bed or else, you know? We want to do some positive reinforcement. So good job, Johnny, whoever, you know, good job. We'll give you a token in the morning. And so I love the bedtime pass for that because it can really work as a positive reinforcement method. Um, It's also important to to see if the younger kids really know the concept of when it's time to get up. So what happens to these younger kids is they go through stages of sleep. They're going to go through their really, really deep sleep. So mom and dads know, yeah, three to four hours, I got you know, I've, <laughs> <That's what laughs> I got I got. my own time. <laughs> and then they start waking up because yeah. they're dreaming. And so they're going to go through dream cycles. And in that dream cycle, they may actually wake up and come to mommy and daddy's bed. And if that's the case, if that's the pattern, they may not actually conceptually know when it's time to get up. Like in Cleveland here, it'd be dark. It's always dark. dark. (laughs) It'll be dark. (laughs) They don't know. It's time to get up. Let's go to mommy and daddy's room. And so what we can do is give them some cues to know. So sometimes we'll plug something in. Mm -hmm. For example, you can plug in a little timer that will come on when it's time to get up or okay. off when it's time to get up, whatever you want to do. Uh, and so, so the child will know that cue. They'll look over and say, okay, well, maybe it's not time to get up yet. Okay, is it time to get up? That's a really good cue for them. And you can teach your child to say, hey, you know, it's not time to get up until this happens. Yeah. There's some little fancy clocks sure. that you can get, all these other things. And so for them to conceptualize that time would be very important because we can't expect some of these younger kids to really understand when it's time to get up. And so sure. helping them... Uh, to, to stay in bed is, is, is very important. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Of it's course. been a pleasure. It's information is very, very interesting yeah. to know all this good yeah. stuff. Thank you. Of course. And um, if you would like to make an appointment with a sleep specialist for your child, you can call Cleveland Clinic Sleep Disorder Center at 216-636-5860. I'll say that again. It's 216-636-5860. Or you can visit clevelandclinic.org slash sleep. Thanks again for our listeners for listening. And if you'd like to uh, listen to more of our podcasts from Health Essentials with our Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org slash H-E podcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes and make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram for all the latest health news, tips, and information. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.